from inside Memorial Stadium in the Huskers Radio Network studio. It's the Husker Nutrition Podcast, brought to you by Midwest Dairy, representing your local dairy farm families. Here's your host, Jessica Cooty, with Director of Performance Nutrition, Dave Ellis. Hi, everyone, and welcome back into our second installment of the Husker Nutrition Podcast, sponsored by Midwest Dairy. I'm Jessica Cootie, joined once again by Dave Ellis, the Director of Performance Nutrition here at Nebraska. Dave, welcome back on. Uh, hey, the first podcast was a huge hit, and we had to bring you back for another one. Uh, how, how you doing? It's crazy. We were talking fall camp. Now we're halfway through the season. I know. Man, once you get rolling, it just keeps going. What kind of changes now? I mean, when the weather starts to change and, and you know, getting into the middle of a season, how, what kind of, when you start talking nutrition and performance nutrition, is how does it change for these athletes in the middle mm-hmm. of the season? You know, it's easier for them to maintain their weight when things cool down. And they're not as good a drinkers as it cools down. They're, they may find that uh, we replace some of the fluids that we would normally not have any problem getting them to drink with some solid items, some chews or some gels, bars, chunks of bananas, you name it. Um, so some of the fueling just naturally tends to change from hot days to cooler days. And literally when we're playing somewhere really cold at the end of the season like Rector's last year, getting people to drink cold liquids is almost a waste of time. You literally almost have to find a way to keep fluids warm body temperature almost to get them to to drink during a game and obviously you can have this is really strange sounding cramps on a cold day because their drive to drink is so poor what's it been like for you to be a part of this football team we were talking about the northwestern win before we started record recording and just the the atmosphere the the domination of this team kind of putting things together but you know, they, they had been saying the right things, and it seems like the culture, the guys that are in that locker room, it just, and I wasn't here a year ago, but it feels different. What's it like to be embedded with this team and, and be in there so closely working with them? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that were in place when we used to win very consistently that I'm watching emerge in this team, which are fabulous. Um, there's a lot of leadership happening with, with the, the players stepping up and being very vocal and challenging one another at practice to get a good look from the scout team to, to go hard to, you know, um, everybody contributing as far as on the bench, even if they're not starting, being engaged. Those are all the attributes of a team, the team our past teams that were so successful. Everybody was, was there for one another. Um, I'm watching all of those things mature and fall in place with these teams, with this current team. And, you know, the results are showing up on the field. So very proud of what's going on. Scott and his staff should be very proud also. The big story coming out of Northwestern was Jaquez Yant, um, you know, comes in, rushes for 127 yards. And, you know, back in the spring, and, and fans have been texting in, calling in, you know, wanting to see more of him. He earns the scholarship, has a good spring, mm-hmm. but, you know, he and he talked about it after the game, didn't necessarily maybe take care of business like he should have in the summer, and then, you know, was really challenged and went to work leading up to last week. But, um, you know, losing, what, 20 pounds? What, what did you see out of him and his story and his progress really since fall camp began until up until he had the big game against Northwestern. Yeah, 
We had a, several athletes in the summer where there is a little more wiggle room for them as far as time away from the team on weekends. And it's a four-day split workout, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. So you're off Wednesday, you're off on the weekends. And, you know, some athletes don't do fabulous when they have that much wiggle room as far as their diets are concerned. And they may not lean out as much as they should. And so um, we have always have athletes that have to use training camp to get some of the, the extra body fat off that maybe they've accumulated uh, or didn't get all of it off during the summer. And that was the case uh, with Yant. And he had a, you know, a very specific goal that he needed to get to before Scott was going to let him move out there on the field in a, in a strong role. And it was to his favor to do it, to get it done. Uh, he's a big guy. He's a legitimate, in the NFL, he's going to be a legitimate 235, 245 back, and they love those sized athletes in the NFL because they're, they're big and durable and they get yards after contact. And he's all that, right? You know, so... Uh, he got down to the low end of that range, and you saw the productivity. And, you know, hopefully there's a lot more of that coming. What goes into that? Um, dropping 20 pounds over the course of, what, a month, six weeks. Um, how did he manage that? How did he tackle it? And, and why was that important for him to drop that specific number? Um, well, we – estimate with using a frame measurement calculation what their functional weight is relative to their bone structure. And he's a big, big back. That's a big back to have a functional range of 235 to 245 in his prime. And so uh, we knew what the target was. Uh, he was above it. Um, he, like most college kids, they have a tremendous vulnerability in the evening. College life is a social thing that picks up after studies are over at 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night, and it always involves food, right? Playing video games and calorie intake. And so, you know, to overcome that is a real challenge, to not just be a college student and do what everybody around you is doing when you're a gifted love handle builder and you can lay down body fat very easily. You, can, you know, you've got to almost do something that isn't normative when it comes to your social setting. And so when athletes find themselves in, a, in that situation where it really could limit their ability to get on the field, one of the first things we have to do is get them to, you know, really challenge them to not let the, uh, the pack dictate uh, how they eat and sleep, right? They, they need to to clean up their PM calories. It's very, very important that they really lighten up what they consume after dinner. And, uh, you know, that's easier said than done. And if you monitor their weight closely and their body fat closely, you can see whether they're really adhering to it or not. And you can create some meaningful accountability, right? And that, you know, the proof's in the pudding there. And that if you're, you're lowering your body weight and your fat pounds are coming off, then you're doing it right. If it's not, then you're you're fudging somewhere. What's a what's a I guess a meal day? What does a food day look like? A calorie intake look like for mm. a guy like Yant? Well, he's you know, if you don't eat much at night, you're going to be hungry for breakfast, and that's great. That's about as safe of calories as an athlete can have all day, is what they eat at breakfast. And so you know, breakfast can be pretty liberal. Um, in our case, we're going to have breakfast sandwiches and breakfast burritos, um, chocolate milk, 
regular milk, juice, um, available to them when they arrive at the stadium in the morning. And then they're going to be hydrating also with a variety of different uh, electrolyte formulas, including a sports drink. So there's a really liberal carb and, and total calorie intake in the morning for the breakfast intake. Carby foods like breakfast bars and bananas, I mean, chews, you name it, you know, all carb-laden foods going into practice. And yet some athletes will restrict a little bit because it's so early in the morning, they're not great breakfast eaters, and they're getting ready to go run really hard, and they, <laughs> they're not used to digesting anything. So we have to teach athletes to be better consumers in the AM and more frugal in the PM in the case of an athlete who's trying to cut body fat. Lunch can be very liberal, too, because they just got done working out, right? So there's not a lot of uh, restrictions on athletes after they get done working out. We're trying to get a lot of calories down them in a timely fashion, get them rehydrated and get them fed. Um, and so he really didn't have, in, in Yant's case, a lot of limits on him at breakfast or lunch. It was really zeroed in on how he was going to lighten it up the rest of the day. And towards the end, I had to get him on a very restrictive diet where uh, it would be considered a time-restricted diet, and then he really didn't get a, a solid dinner. I put him on a liquid protein source in, in place of dinner and, and another one for a snack in the evening, and believe me, he was ready for breakfast when he woke up. <laughs> How rewarding is that? I mean, I know it was a team effort. You know, I know the strength guys were, were really – you know, helping in on that and, and you and your, the nutrition staff, but how rewarding is that when you see a guy that has put in the work and, and you know, came back, done things right, and then has the day that he had against Northwestern? Yeah, that's great. I, I, I think he, it was always in him, right? Now, is it going to be in him for four quarters and overtime? Is it going to be in him in the heat? You know, it's one thing to go out and, and have a flash, and it's another thing to really be able to bring it for four quarters under environmentally challenging conditions. And that's what you really have to be ready for if you're going to be a starter, right? There's no, you know, game day is just the ultimate reality when it comes to figuring out whether you're really ready or not. And there's just, there's no room for imposters. It is only for, it's got to be authentic. It's got to be real. You really got to pre be prepared. And it exposes every weakness there is in a team or in the individuals on a team. So it was good to see that he had passed the litmus test and really was ready. And we've got a lot of other stories like that in the works, right? Uh, well, some people that were, came in really big will be really ready down the road. Let's talk about the flip side of that and someone that's had to really maintain and gain and Cam Jurgens and mm -hmm. a guy that was not an offensive lineman coming in. And then now look at, I mean, there are days where he's straight up dominant. Um, what kind of went into getting him right and ready to play at the level that he's playing at this season? Yeah, Cam is a, a unique story in that his frame was big enough to do something more than be a tight end. Um, he was not going to be the biggest lineman on the field, but centers usually aren't. And so, you know, based on need, they made a decision to take advantage of his frame's potential and let him train beyond what a tight end would need to carry to be functional and to be what would be considered a, a, a low end of the range for centers as far as body mass. But still, he's very athletic and, and can, is quick. You know, that's one of the really important attributes there. So he's done a great job. He's having uh, great success holding his weight this season. Um, his first year that you put on weight on a frame like that, 
can be quite a little vulnerable. They get sick or they get injured or they go out into the heat of two days and they may not do as good a job holding it the first time they put that weight on and after another off season, it kind of becomes much easier for them to hold under stressful conditions. And he's done all of that so far. He's doing great. For some of those guys, I mean, you see them like they, they you know, put on the weight, put on the weight, maintain the weight, and then all of a sudden if they stop playing or, or stop doing that, it comes off so quickly. What is it like for Cam to maintain that weight and that where he needs to be? Yeah, well, the weight room is a huge asset because it's lean mass. You know, the majority of what they train into and fill their frame out is the result of the sets and the reps in the weight room. And so <clears throat> they've got to do the work to accrue the mass, and they've got to have a maintenance load in the weight room to hang on to it, along with the dietary support when it comes to their total calories. They're not going to get all that in at one meal. It's going to take breakfast. It's going to take post-workout recovery shake. It's going to take lunch. It's going to take mid-afternoon snack. It's going to take dinner. And it's going to take a PM calorie intake to support a guy like him holding that weight. We need, you know, eating really becomes, as I've mentioned, work. Right? It's work for these athletes to hold their body mass. Feeding really can become somewhat monotonous, right? So we got to try to make it fun. We do stuff, everything we can in the training table to, to bring new assets in there like our new pizza ovens uh, that are a big hit. And somebody like Cam likes making his own pizzas. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. What, what, what are, what's the calories like for Cam Jurgens? Probably around the 20, 21 calories per pound of body weight. So you can take his goal body weight of 290-ish pounds uh, times 20, 21 calories, and that's what he's up against, you know. And you're wow. not going to get – like, you can't miss a meal. Yeah. You can't miss a shake, right? You know, that's like – that's where the work part of it comes in. It'd be real easy for anybody else to kind of zoom past a meal or a snack. Uh, no big deal. He does that um, on a hot day, and he could drop five, six, seven pounds real quickly. Let's talk about those pizza ovens because, of course, Midwest Dairy, our sponsor of this podcast, also was kind enough to help you out. And I know they've, they've been a huge advocate and sponsor of, of the things that you guys are doing. What was it like when you got them in there and working? How excited were those student athletes? Um, wow, were they They're really excited? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can melt cheese on anything and they would be excited. So these are really cool ovens. Uh, we can cook, they can take a like a pita bread and put sauce on it and their favorite toppings, of course, cheese, and um, put it in this oven and uh, in two minutes and about 40 seconds, they've got a, a pizza. It's, it's amazingly fast. And so they just love it. And just like our Life Skills Kitchen where they get to cook and pick out their own ingredients, season it, make it whatever they want it to be over rice or noodles, the pizza is the same thing. They get to kind of author this deal the way they want it and they get a lot of gratification out of the uniqueness of that I think and these same ovens can um, melt you know make hot sandwiches also quesadillas so we're just breaking them in on, on many fronts right now but it's a huge addition um, but really I think each one of these ovens they gave us two of them they're over twelve thousand dollars each they're they're really uh, sophisticated fast powerful What's, this, what's the topping spread like down mm -hmm. there for these pizzas? Yeah, so like, you know, if you took a pita bread type crust, uh, there's a pesto and a red sauce and a white sauce that you could put on there. 
you're going to go over next and you're going to run into, you know, maybe some protein sources like some sausage or some chicken, uh, some ground beef. Um, we have all kinds of unique protein sources that they can work in. Um, then there's going to be the veggies. You're going to put in some uh, of your favorite stuff. Mushrooms and onions move really well. Um, there's chopped basil, uh, spinach. Um, then they're going to get over to the cheese. Uh, there's olives. There's, then they get over to the cheese, and, of course, they pile it on. Oh, my gosh. I'm, my stomach is growling. Who's the, who's the best pizza maker so well, far? We're going to find out because <laughs> we're going to have a cooking contest here in November like we always do. And I want to work the pizza ovens into it this time to where whether you're cooking at the Life Skills Kitchen or making a pizza, um, you, got, you can have a shot at either one. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I kind of wanted to round it out with, I mean, we're, we've talked a lot of football. You guys have a lot to do with football, but I mean, pretty much every sport is preseason, in season, training, all that. What's it like down there uh, for you and your staff right now? <laughs> yeah, well, we're getting crushed. Um, you know, we've got about 600 people going through there at lunch right now, and that's with us holding some of the staff out that we normally feed because we're so short on labor. And like everybody in the service industry right now, labor is tough to come by. And so we're doing okay on labor at dinner, but lunch it's really, really tough because our student population's in class and they're just more available in the evening. Um, so, you know, you'll find every, it's just all hands on deck. You know, everybody that can roll their sleeves up and get in there and get us through a meal, keeping food in that buffet and keeping things in order as far as uh, keep cleaning up as we go, um, you know, is is pitching in to get it done for these athletes. And I don't know how soon we'll resolve the labor issues. Everybody's having the same problems, and it's there's no end of it in sight. For just because we're we're sitting here in the studio, and the Big Ten basketball media days are on our TV right now, and of course everyone's really excited about hoop season. What's it like, you know, getting basketball athletes, men's and women? ready going through a, a preseason and getting them ready uh, on as far as the nutrition front goes? Well, all of our dietitians um, that work with our sports are deeply involved, as I am with football, on all the work with them in the offseason as well as the preseason and, and, of course, the grind of the end season. So, you know, we longitudinally move through all phases of the year with our teams and, you know, they all follow a similar pattern in that you're trying to make big changes in the bodies in the off season. You're trying to, to get them well conditioned in the preseason. And then of course, keep them available on game day and uninjured in season, right? So the, the fruits of all your labor really are manifested on game day. So like all of our dietitians play the similar roles for their sports and you know, the nuances of feeding male versus female, power versus endurance, freshman versus senior, you name it, you know, domestic versus international, southern athlete versus northern athlete are just immense. I mean, it is a, it's a very unique challenge to meet the diversity of all those palettes. And I, that's just, a, to me, that's kind of the fun part. It's a challenge. Um, I really like learning about what our international athletes are into. And again, I those life skills kitchens and the pizza self-make and the deli sandwich self-make give maybe the most picky eater an outlet, right? Mm -hmm. Where they can go in there and they can do their thing. And I really think those are distinguishing assets 
that and along with the fact that our dietitians are right there when they're building these meals to help them answer questions and, and guide them in the right direction. We've talked a lot of intake and food and the making of the food, but coming up, we were going to go in-depth on some of the scientific part of it. Can you give listeners maybe a teaser of, of what we're kind of looking forward to bringing knowledge-wise and, and breaking into the next episode? Well, I think maybe we could get into um, frame size and, and how frames evolve from the day we recruit them to the day they show up till the day they leave. It's a pretty unique um, story. It's something we're kind of on top of and leaders in our field. Um, and there's a lot we can do to individualize what to meet the, understand the needs and meet the needs of our athletes when it comes to different biometrics that we monitor, things that are going on in their bodies, internal biometrics um, that we could spot in saliva or blood or urine or sweat. So, yeah, I think we can get into the weeds on some of that stuff. Uh, <laughs> if, love it. If, if everybody's ready for that. I think we're ready. We love the okay. weeds. Well, Dave Ellis, another fascinating conversation, and we'll look forward to the next one coming up next month. All right. The Husker Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by Midwest Dairy. Finish strong with chocolate milk, a natural source of high-quality protein to build lean muscle. The right mix of carbs and protein proven to refuel exhausted muscles, fluid, and electrolytes to rehydrate and replenish critical nutrients lost in sweat. You put in the hard work on the field. Chocolate milk will support your recovery off the field. Trusted by athletes, supported by science. Well, one Husker that's really benefited from the performance staff, the performance nutrition staff and what they are doing here at Nebraska is sophomore center Cam Jurgens, who did not come into Lincoln thinking he would be playing on the offensive line. Can you take me back to the conversation when it was said that, hey, we're going to maybe play you at center? Did you because you didn't know that going into when you, you signed with Nebraska, right? Did you mm -hmm. think that there was a possibility? No idea. No idea. <laughs> it was kind of weird. Uh, like I got here. And all summer, I was just like getting meeting with the coaches, trying to get the offensive scheme down as tight ends. So I'm learning all these routes. And then kind of at the start of the season, uh, Coach Frost like sat me down and kind of asked like what it meant for me to play for Nebraska. And I'm kind of thinking in my head like, what, you know, why is he bringing me in here? Ask me some of these questions. I'm thinking maybe I'm getting moved to defense, be like an edge rusher or something. Um, kind of got a little excited. And then he, then he brought up the idea of me playing center the next year. And I'm just... First of all, my, my thought was like, man, I don't know if I can carry that much weight. I was like 240, 250. And then he's like, think about it. And then uh, a couple of weeks went by, I, I just cut weight, went down to 235. And I'm just like, ah, you know, I kind of like being a tight end a little bit. Um, and then like week four, Coach Beck like told me, he's like, hey, you're in the O-line room this morning for uh, meetings. I'm like, okay, well, here we go. And then uh, I just embraced it and then went from there. So, I mean, what, what was that process like to, to embrace it? Because, I mean, you got to think, oh, I want to be a tight end, and then all of a sudden it's a completely different spot. What made you believe that you could perform at that, that position uh, center? Just believe in, in the coaches, you know. Uh, they thought it was the right position for me, and they thought it was the right thing for the team. So I put all my, my faith and trust in the coaches and believing that this is the right move, and I, uh, it's – it's panning out well, and I'm I'm so excited. I'm part of the O line room now. I I love the atmosphere, and I just love everything about being a being a hog up front now. <laughs> was there a moment where you're like, all right, I'm in the right spot? I know, like you've dominated somebody or practice, or was it more of a gradual process? I'd say it was a gradual process. Um, 
I knew kind of right away when I got into the O-line room, like it felt right and this is where I wanted to be and I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't really look back on my tight end days and missing running 20 yards down the field just not to get the ball thrown my way. I mean, that wasn't no fun. So at least this time I get to hit somebody every play. I mean, that's my favorite thing about football, going out and hitting the dude. So you talk about the weight and carrying that much weight. What initially, right, when you make the switch, what do you go into that? Because Dave Ellis was talking about how it's not something you can just do all over all overnight, and a lot of people maybe try to do that. So mm -hmm. how did you kind of start going about putting on that weight? Yeah, I had a frame that like I feel like I could carry that weight, and since I dropped weight, I was probably down 230, 235, and then I ended up uh, getting injured. I broke my foot, so I had a surgery on that, and then for the next two months, like I was able to do a lot of lifting, so I had a lot of time. I wasn't able to practice, so. I would grab two of our high cal protein shakes that the nutrition staff makes and I'll just go into the weight room and lift for like an hour and make sure after every set like I'm drinking a little protein and the weight comes on pretty fast. Yeah. So it didn't take too long to keep gaining weight and um, I feel like I put on a good good amount of weight and it wasn't just bad weight all of a sudden. Did you have to learn kind of how to approach the nutrition part of it from a different way? Or, I mean, how did you kind of go about that? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, now that I'm up to this weight, like even when I'm full, I need to keep eating. Uh, between each meal, I need to try to get some food in me, even when I feel like I don't have to eat because I'm like, ah, I'm not that hungry. I'm like, no, I need, I need to get something in me because uh, I can lose weight so fast and it's, it's easy to lose weight compared to gaining weight right now. Yeah, I was gonna say you, you seem like a guy that probably if you quit, you could probably would drop really quickly. So do you have to, you have to constantly remind yourself, hey, this is what I gotta do even when I'm not hungry? Oh yeah. And weighing in with Dave each morning, like I know where my weight's at all the time. So I know if I weigh in light one day, I'm like, all right, I need to get extra tonight before I go to bed or something throughout the day. You talked about the putting on weight the right way and the good weight. For people that might not know exactly what that means, can you maybe explain that a little bit more about how you kind of went about that? Yeah, just make sure like when I'm putting on weight, like I need to be physically active and doing something. It's not just going to McDonald's each night and just pounding hamburgers. There's there's the right yeah there's a right way to do it. Um, I don't know. Uh, this last weekend, I made a big old pot of chili, so I've been kind of having a bowl every afternoon before I go to bed. So like that's helped me a lot. Um, just finding good foods to put in your body. And then uh, when you need to gain weight, there's a certain point where like any weight's good weight, uh, but you wanna make sure it's functional and you're still able to move. How important is the nutrition staff to what you wanna do? But then also, I mean, you look at the guy that you face every day in practice, Damian Daniels, and how he's dropped the weight. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, they seem so in tune with whatever athlete they might need, what, what those needs are. I mean, how important is that to you guys? Uh, it's super important. Um, like I was saying, we weigh in every day. So like, if I'm a little light or a little heavy, like Dave doesn't even need to look at the chart. Like he's like, oh wow, that's a good day for you. Or like that's a that's a low weight. Like he's so in tune with every athlete on um, the football team. He knows where everybody should be. And then if you're not there, like we we have so many resources. Uh, I mean, after meals we have to go food for guys that need to gain weight, and then we also have meals that you should have if you need to lose weight and instead of having our regular meals that we maybe get catered in or something like that. He, he's talked a lot about just the you know the skills kitchen and learning how to make your own food. You 
you make your own chili. I mean, how cool is that? And, and good is that to have the resources where you're not just being thrown the food mm -hmm. at you, you're learning how to do it when you leave this place. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I mean, if, if you go in there and you can't find something you like, then that's on you because you can always make it yourself. We have like stir fry stations. So if I want to mix it up and not get like a hamburger or something that day, I can make my own food and we just got some pizza oven. So like there's, there's so many opportunities to get different food. And then if you don't want the food that's provided, you can make it yourself. They give you every chance here. Thanks again to Dave Ellis and to Cam Jurgens for joining us here on episode number two of the Husker Nutrition Podcast brought to you by Midwest Dairy, representing your local dairy farm families. We have more headed your way on this series highlighting the Nebraska Performance Nutrition Department. So make sure you subscribe and stay tuned right here as a part of the Huskers Radio Network Podcast.